Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings at Walt Disney World. I'm Carrie Hayward, and each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are looking at an overview of Disney's Fairy Tale Wedding's Wishes Collection at Walt Disney World, including frequently asked questions about the Wishes Collection and the perspective and tips of our very own Disney Bride special guest, Lauren McGrew Heitzosen. Lauren's going to share her experience with her Wishes Collection wedding at Walt Disney World and the tips and advice that she gleaned when she was planning. And hopefully this will give you a good overview of what to expect if you are considering the Wishes Collection in Florida. So welcome, Lauren. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Before we get into the FAQ and all the stuff that you need to know about Wishes, can you tell my listeners a little bit about your Disney wedding? My Disney wedding was a 9 a.m. ceremony at the Wedding Pavilion with a brunch reception at the Contemporary Resort and Convention Center. We had 65 people and a wedding party of 20. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Our colors were like wine and a lot of fall because that's what we really wanted to lean hard into is we're getting married in November and we wanted it to be just super fall themed. Okay, great. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of this as we go through the show, but I'm curious to know how you chose the contemporary for your reception location. So we looked at a bunch of different places, my husband and I, and every time we would look at a photo of a, of a venue, I'd say, what do you think of this? And his response was nearly always, I don't like the carpet. Hmm. I wish I had like a more exciting answer, but the carpet in the contemporary was his favorite of all the places we looked at because he, he and I talked about how we wanted to look at the photos and not be like, man, if only the carpet wasn't different. But we knew that we wanted to have our wedding at two different locations. We felt that we wanted to take full advantage of the fact that Disney is an enormous property and we wanted to take people to two different places. And so the wedding pavilions at the Grand Floridian and we wanted to do, we initially asked if there was a place to do it at the Polynesian. And I think they said no. So we decided to do the contemporary. Okay, got it. Well, this is really interesting. And we're going to be talking in a second more about choosing locations because that can have a big effect on how much you pay for your wishes collection wedding. The first thing you should know about the Wishes Collection, if you're considering it, is that it's not a package. So whereas Escape and Memories are packages where you plunk down a flat fee and you get X, Y, and Z for your flat fee, Wishes is an a la carte option where you choose different elements and then you pay service charge and tax on some or all of them. And all of that together adds up to how much you're going to pay for your wedding. So they say that the base price is $12,000 right now because that's based on the minimum number of guests you need to have and the lowest expenditures. And we're going to talk about all the expenditures right now. 
So the requirements to have a Wishes Collection wedding or vow renewal at Walt Disney World, because Disney treats weddings and vow renewals interchangeably, in order to have a Wishes Collection wedding or vow renewal at Walt Disney World, there are certain requirements that you have to meet. And some of these have to do with money. And when you add all of the requirements up, that's going to be your price. So there's a ceremony location fee. There's a food and beverage minimum, and there's an enhancement minimum. And when you add those together, you're going to get a rough idea of how much your wedding is going to cost. There's also a room night minimum, which we will talk about in a minute. So first, let's look at the ceremony location fee. Now, this is the cost that you will pay for the place where your ceremony is going to be, and it includes certain things like a sound system, it includes chairs, there's usually a water station at the wedding pavilion, it includes the organist. So this flat fee plus tax and service charge is known as the ceremony location fee. And if you are not having your ceremony on Disney property, for example, if you're having a wishes collection event, but you need to have your ceremony in a Catholic church in celebration or someplace else in Orlando, you would not actually have to pay this ceremony location fee. And what's begun to happen in recent years is that some people have had ceremonies off-site or someplace like Paddlefish or House of Blues at Disney Springs, and they can still have a Wishes Collection event as long as they meet the other two minimums, the food and beverage minimum and the enhancement minimum. But if you are looking at having your ceremony on property for your Wishes Collection event, here are the prices. If you want to use the Wedding Pavilion, it's a $5,000 fee. If you want to have your ceremony inside a theme park, any theme park except the Magic Kingdom, it's $4,500. If you want to have your ceremony at one of the resorts, like the Seabreeze Point location or the Yacht Club Gazebo, that fee is only $4,000. Now for the Magic Kingdom, there are a couple of different ceremony fees. If you use the train station, the fee is $15,000. If you use the East Plaza Garden, which is the Rose Garden facing the castle, that's a $25,000 ceremony fee. And if you have the Magic Kingdom After Hours Ceremony, that has a $50,000 ceremony location fee. So that's your the first component that's going to make up your total cost of your Wishes Collection event. The next one is the food and beverage minimum. This is a per person fee and it depends on the time of day and to some extent the location because they have a separate one for Magic Kingdom, but it's mostly based on the time of day that you're going to have your reception. So if you have a breakfast or brunch reception, that's a $140 per person fee that you must meet. So your cake, your food, your alcohol, or any drinks that you add needs to add up to at least $140 per person if you are having a breakfast or brunch reception. And that means that your ceremony is going to be at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 9.30 a.m., or 10 a.m. And the breakfast brunch receptions are usually four hours. You can add time if you need to, but usually people find that with a breakfast or a brunch, Sometimes they don't even have dancing. Sometimes they do. If you want to have dancing, that's fine. But a lot of times they lend themselves better to a shorter event. You absolutely do not need more than four hours, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want it to go on too long. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so you guys found that that was a good amount of time? Yeah, I remember about two and a half hours in, I remember thinking, man, I'm tired. Because <laughs> I'd been up since 2.45. Whoa. Yeah, that's something to consider. <laughs> 
Okay, so if you're looking at having a lunch reception, that has a $165 per person fee, and that goes with the noon ceremony. So if you have your ceremony at noon, you're automatically looking at a lunch reception. Those last five hours. And then if you want to have a dinner reception, that has a $190 per person food and beverage minimum, and that goes with ceremonies that start at 2.30, 5 p.m., or 7.30 p.m., and that also lasts five hours. Usually it's a one-hour cocktail hour or pre-reception, whatever you want to call it, and then four hours for the actual reception. But again, you can add time if you need to, especially I notice couples from the UK are used to having a lot longer receptions. So there are certain fees you can pay to extend your Disney wedding reception if you do want to have a longer reception. And then the food and beverage minimums for the, if you have a ceremony at the train station, it triggers a flat $10,000 food and beverage minimum. Even though your reception is not going to be inside the Magic Kingdom, because your ceremony was inside the Magic Kingdom, you have to pay a flat $10,000 at least on food and beverage. And if you do the East Plaza Garden, that goes up to $15,000. Now, the third component of pricing for having a Wishes Collection wedding at Walt Disney World is what they call the Enhancement Minimum Expenditure. And this is basically what you pay for everything else that Disney can provide for your ceremony and your reception only. So if you add a dessert party or a bridal tea in the morning before everything, those do not apply. The Enhancement Minimum Expenditure is just what you spend on things for your ceremony, your pre-reception, and your reception. And the amount depends on the day of the week and where your reception is. So the cheapest ones are on Tuesday and Wednesday. If you have a resort reception, the enhancement minimum expenditure is $5,000. If you have a park reception, the enhancement minimum expenditure is $7,000. On Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and Monday, the resort enhancement minimum expenditure goes up to $8,000, and the park enhancement minimum is $10,000. And if you have a Saturday event, the resort enhancement minimum is $10,000, and the park enhancement minimum is $12,000. And once again, the train station and the East Plaza Garden at the Magic Kingdom have separate minimums. Their enhancement minimums are $15,000 for the train station, or $35,000 for the East Plaza Garden. And anything except tax and service charge that you get from Disney applies to this. So if you pay Disney for photography, if you do transportation, if they do your floral and decor, of course your venue fees, all of that applies toward this minimum expenditure. One thing that helped me when I was thinking about enhancement minimums is I took an accounting class a couple of years ago and thinking of it as a like a debit and credit system really helped me out. Tell me more. <laughs> okay. So debits and credits is, it's an accounting thing and I might get this backwards, but imagine that, you know, your, your $10,000 enhancement minimum is a credit. You've already paid it. Anytime you do like Mickey and Minnie appearing, that's a debit to that credit. So it takes it out. So thinking of it as counting down from 10,000 instead of adding up for 10,000 in that way really helped me a lot. So everything we did subtracted from the number. Oh, that's interesting. And maybe it kind of helped you stick to it rather than, well, we'll yes. add this and we'll add that. And then, oops, we went over. <laughs> yeah. Because when we hit zero, we were like, oh, can't do that anymore. Interesting. Okay. That's a great way to look at it. So the enhancement expenditures, along with the cost of food and beverage minimums, they absolutely influenced how we planned our wedding. 
because we knew for sure, you know, Disney was where we were going to get married. And we originally, we were thinking about doing, you know, we always wanted to do that Sunday, but we thought about doing a dinner wedding and, you know, just really like going hard until we started looking at the minimums for things. And, you know, then brunch is, brunch is, you know, it's a $50 per person difference, which really starts to add up. So if you are looking to cut costs, looking at a brunch wedding or doing it an off on a off day is a really smart way to do it and still get your dream wedding. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with Disney weddings, this may sound weird because most people in the real world are used to weddings being on weekends like Saturday night. But at Disney, people do brunch weddings all the time because they're so much cheaper. And you'll find that both you and your guests, you're off your schedule because you're not Nothing on your Disney vacation is on the same schedule you're on at home, and it's not as weird to go to a morning wedding when you're already on vacation and everything else that you're doing is completely different than what you would be doing at home. Plus, I think my guests were really excited that they could immediately leave the wedding and go to the park. I know one of the groomsmen literally brought a change of clothes to the reception and changed clothes and then went to Epcot (laughs) at like 2 (laughs) o'clock. That's great. Okay, so those are the three main financial components that are the requirements of having a Wishes Collection wedding. So once again, that's your ceremony location fee, your food and beverage minimum, and your enhancement minimum expenditure. And as I said earlier, if you do have your ceremony off-site, you then don't have to pay the ceremony location fee. You just have to meet the food and beverage minimum and the enhancement minimum expenditure. Now, the next requirement of having a Wishes Collection wedding is a room night minimum. This means that you are going to set aside a certain number of nights, not actual rooms, but nights in rooms for your guests to use while they are in Disney for your wedding. There's a minimum of 10 nights. And if you meet that, you and your fiance will get a free night at a Disney resort, which is pretty awesome and very helpful if you're already paying for an expensive honeymoon. And recently they introduced or reintroduced because they did this years ago, the offer that if you fill 50 room nights at Disney owned and operated resorts, you will get a second free night. So that can actually be pretty helpful if you have enough guests and your guests are staying long enough for you to create a room block and meet the room night minimum. Sometimes you and your guests will get discounted rates. Often, especially lately, it seems like the wedding rates that come with the room blocks are not as good as some of the special offers available to the general public, but it really varies. So it's always worth investigating. But if you just don't think that you're going to be able to fill any room nights, even 10 room nights, like for example, if you're from the UK and all of your guests are staying in holiday villas off site, or if you live locally and nobody is spending the night, Disney will waive the room night minimum requirement. So you don't get a free night, but you don't have to worry about filling any nights. And I have an entire podcast episode called How to Set Up a Room Block that explains all the complicated ins and outs and nuances of this because it can be very confusing. And it's the first thing you have to do before you can even sign your contract for your wishes collection wedding. They're going to ask you to set up this room block. And where do you want the nights? How do you want them distributed? What dates do you want? How many do you want? And it can be very overwhelming because you've never planned a wedding before, let alone set up a room block. So I did an entire episode, How to Set Up a Room Block. There's also a big section in my book, Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, that explains this in detail so that you can set it up in a way that works for you. As we were kind of guesstimating where to assign rooms, 
we knew for sure we wanted to do value, moderate, and deluxe. We wanted to do a lot sum into each category. What we did was All-Star Movies, Port Orleans, and The Grand Floridian. And we allotted most of our rooms to All-Star Movies because that's where we thought most people would be, would be staying. But what ended up happening was that everyone wanted to go to Port Orleans. So I guess what I really want to say is you can't psychically predict what your guests are going to do as much as you think you're going to be able to. Because uh, I think what we forgot is that this is a vacation for so many of our guests. Like we, I think we got stuck in the wedding, wedding, wedding thing and thought about cost cutting rather than people wanting to enjoy the resort and have a good time. And for a lot of our guests, that was Port Orleans. That's, what, that's where they wanted to be. I think that's a really good point. And it's something we talk about in the Room Block episode because – it can be really hard to predict where people want to stay. And often brides and grooms will be shocked to find out that their guests all want to stay at the most expensive resort, usually because it's the one where the wedding is happening and it's just that much more convenient. So yeah, we go into this in depth in the podcast because trying to figure out or guess where your guests are going to want to stay can be very, very difficult. (laughs) Okay, so you've got your ceremony location fee, your food and beverage minimum, your enhancement minimum expenditure, and then your room night. On top of that, the other thing you have to factor in when you're trying to figure out how much your wishes wedding is going to cost is there is a 24% service charge on all food and beverage and on some audiovisual components, and there is 6.5% Florida sales tax on basically everything, including the service charge. And that is why I put a self-calculating budget worksheet in the back of my ebook of Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide because it can be very tricky to figure out what gets a service charge, what gets tax, what gets both, what gets neither, and this form will calculate all that for you so you do not have to worry, and it puts it in a nice little box at the bottom of the budget. That was really lovely to have. (laughs) (laughs) And this is something to keep in mind because often when you see people who are trying to decide between doing an escape collection wedding with all the trimmings or a bare bones wishes collection wedding, they forget that with escape, that flat seven or $8,000 includes the sales tax and service charge. Whereas with wishes, you pay tax on everything, including the first $8,000 that you're spending. So that's something to keep in mind if you're trying to decide between the two. So the next requirement of a wishes collection event is that you have at least 18 guests. Now this is on paper. They're kind of loosey-goosey with this. I have seen many wishes weddings held that have fewer than 18 guests or 20 people total. However, the more expensive these weddings get over the years, the more difficult it is to meet the minimum expenditures with fewer than 18 guests. So if you're coming from the UK and you're prepared to splurge, but you can only get 12 people to come with you, they will still let you have a wishes collection event, but you are going to have a lot of food waste because you have to meet certain amounts. You have to pay for at least 18 people, well, 20 people total with the couple. So you have to pay for at least 20 people, even if you don't have 20 people. So that's a lot of money that you're spending on food that you probably can't eat. But there are ways to, you know, get things that you can take with you, like Mickey Crispy bars, you know, little ways you can tweak it to kind of help maybe have a super expensive cake because you can take the cake with you. And we talk about that in other episodes, in budget episodes. But that's something to know. Don't Don't let it break your heart if you really want to have a wishes collection event and you only have 16 guests coming. They're going to work with you. It's just going to be a lot harder to meet your minimums. 
And then the last thing you're going to need is a $4,000 deposit. So when you are ready to sign your contract, you have your room block done, you give them a $4,000 deposit. And we'll talk a little bit later about how this deposit is used and how much you get back and all of that. But that's something you're going to need right up front is four grand to give them to secure your date. Okay, so now let's talk about how to plan your wishes wedding and what the planning process is like. You've decided that you can afford a wishes collection event. What happens when you want to get started planning? The first thing you can do is have a site visit, which you can schedule up to 24 months before the date that you want to have your wedding or your vow renewal. And a site visit is where you meet with your sales consultant and he or she will take you to mm, two or three different locations so you can see what they're like and if they're going to be good for your wedding. And we talk about this a lot in my planning session overview episode that talks about what to expect when you go down for your planning session because we also talk about, for some people, like we could only make one trip. So we booked our site visit and our planning session in the same trip. My top tip about the site visit is to only go see locations that you can't get to on your own. So like the wedding pavilion is often open when there are no weddings going on. All of the convention center locations you can walk right into. If you have admission to the parks, you can get to all of the outdoor Epcot locations and see them for yourself. But the places you can't go without somebody from Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings are the VIP lounges like Living Seas Salon in Epcot, or if you wanted to see the loft above the Frozen Ride in Norway, you're not going to be able to get into that one on your own. So if you're seriously considering it, that is a good candidate for your site visit. I have a quick tip here. In our case, we were not actually able to see our reception venue because there was an accounting convention going on that day. They wouldn't let us into the room without a valid CPA license, which neither my husband or I have. Our planner tried her best to get us in, but we couldn't get in. So it might be good to check and see if there are major events going on at the convention centers. That's a really good tip. Yeah, that's a great tip because they do have schedules online. You can usually see schedules of various conventions. So yeah, if you are looking at a convention center, definitely see if you can figure out if they're going to be, and maybe your sales consultant will also know and warn you about this, like it sounds like yours did. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if you are already talking to a sales consultant at 24 months out because you have done a site visit, that is great. However, if you are just starting the planning process, Disney will start working with you on a wishes collection event about 18 months out. You cannot actually sign a contract until 12 months out, but at 16 months out, they will allow you to be penciled in, which is a very unofficial designation that just means that your sales consultant has written down the date and time and locations that you want so that when your 12 month mark comes around, he or she can immediately put in the request as long as you have completed your room block. They can put in the request for the date, the time, and the locations that you want. But the 16 months is an unofficial designation. It's a way for you to feel like, okay, Disney knows what I want. They know that I'm serious about this. And then on the 12 month mark, you will get the actual official confirmation that you were able to secure the date and time and the locations that you wanted. 
Often you hear stories of couples who called in and said, we want to get married in two years. And they were like, call back later when you're closer. And I think it's just that they get so many looky-loos. They have so much interest that it's not worth their time to spend a lot of time on somebody who might, you know, in half a year or one year, decide they actually don't want to have a Disney wedding. So they can be a little bit, you know, not as interested in talking to you if you're more than 16 months out. But once you are within that 16 to 18 month window, then you can start working with the sales consultant and he or she can get you ready to draw up your contract at the 12 month mark. I have a question. (laughs) Yes. Okay, I'm asking because I can't remember what we did. (laughs) So the 12 month out mark for us was on a Saturday. And I don't think we ended up being able to get it set up on a Saturday. So I can't remember, would it have made more sense for us to call the Friday before or the Monday after? So in that case, I would call them again the Friday before. If you've been working with your sales consultant, they know that that's the date that you want. They have it marked in their calendar. They're going to try to get you everything you want on your 12-month mark on the next business day. So your date actually happens to be on a Saturday this year. On Monday, they will be able to confirm whether or not you got what you wanted. But if you're concerned, if you haven't talked to your sales consultant in a few weeks or months, yes, definitely contact them the week before, the Friday before, and just remind them that that's what you're interested in. I just couldn't remember what we did. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) So as I mentioned earlier, you're also going to need to set up a room block and put down your deposit in order to hold your date. And so once you've completed the room block worksheet, you submit that to your sales consultant, you pay your $4,000 deposit. There are usually a few days grace period. So, you know, you're not going to lose your date if for some reason your room block worksheet isn't done until a day after your 12 month mark. But that's what you need to lock it in. And then you will be able to move forward. So after you pay your deposit and set up your room block, you are passed from your sales consultant to your event planner. And this is the person who's going to work with you on all the fun stuff like, you know, floral and decor and transportation and adding characters and all of those things. And that is also the person, usually, with whom you have your planning session. So optionally, if you are able to get to Walt Disney World before your wedding or vow renewal, Disney will set up a planning session in which you get to meet your event planner. If you're going to use Disney for your floral and decor, you get to meet with somebody from that team. And you go over basically every aspect of the day from start to finish. You can look at the floral and decor options and make choices or show them your inspiration photos. You can add a cake tasting. So they'll bring in a little tray with pieces of cake and different flavors of the fillings to try. And you can also request to add on a menu tasting where you go to the convention center or the park where your reception is going to be held. And in the main kitchen, they wow you with a selection of tastings of things that you're considering serving at your event. So that's really fun. But you have to request that. That isn't automatically part of your planning session. And I have a whole podcast episode about the planning session that, as I mentioned, also talks about the site visit. And it will give you a lot of tips for what to expect. The main thing to expect is that you are not going to be getting a lot of prices because the planning session is where they find out what you want and then they come back to you maybe up to six weeks later. Some people are lucky they get their BEO in two weeks, but usually it can be up to six weeks after your planning session. They come back to you and they tell you how much everything is going to cost. The BEO, which I mentioned, is the banquet event order and they send you that with a separate document that is your estimated budget. 
and it is the Bible of your day. So if it isn't in your banquet event order, it is not going to happen. And if it is in there, 99% of the time it's going to happen. <laughs> you hear of some exceptions where people don't get something that was in their BEO, but it's supposed to be the Bible that every single person who works on your day, whether they know you or not, whether they were at your planning session or not, all they have to do is read your BEO and they know how to execute what you've requested. So you're going to get that BEO after your planning session and you have plenty of time to revise it. I think we had six or seven different versions of our BEO as we kept making changes. You know, anything from a typo to, you know, you change your colors or you decide you don't want to use a certain venue. So you have time to go over the BEO, especially like if you get it and suddenly the budget is through the roof. You have time to cut things, change things to lower your budget, whatever you need to do. Your planner will work with you to get it so that it is exactly what you want and you can afford for your wedding. The planning session is the most fun I've ever had at Disney. <laughs> really. <laughs> and I know that one of the things I was really nervous, I know you have a whole episode on the planning sessions, but like the thing that I was so worried about is when I was talking to people, everyone said, oh, but you have to go in with a really solid plan. My husband and I, our only plan was a single image we found on Pinterest that was five colors. And that was all we gave our planner. And she really, truly made us the perfect wedding for us based on this single image labeled Fall Disney Wedding that we found on Pinterest. <laughs> so they really can turn an entire wedding out of just like one, one single idea. Like some of the ideas we talked about when we talked about fall were, oh, do you want fall? Do you want to line the aisle with leaves? Fall leaves. And I thought that was a cool idea, but wasn't quite what we were going for. And what we ended up doing was this really beautiful, like, fall-themed floral arrangement on the table that just, like, really tied it all together. They really can make something out of nothing. It's the coolest thing. That's interesting. And sometimes I find that they almost get more creative when they are working with very little from you than if you come in with, you know, a 50-point plan and everything has to be exactly like this because then they seem to get very concerned about executing exactly what you want and that leaves less room for creative freedom. So I'm surprised that people were telling you you needed to know everything for your planning session because really it's a blue sky session. You can come in with all kinds of ideas or no ideas and they're supposed to help you figure that out. I just have a lot of very organized friends. <laughs> it's, probably, <laughs> it's probably what it is. And plenty of people go in with PowerPoints and it's perfect. And I'm sure the planners really appreciate it. But don't worry about it. If like they're going to send you a worksheet to fill out before your planning session, don't freak out if you can't answer all the questions on the worksheet because you will figure them out on the day. So the next step that happens is your minimum expenditure is due 90 days out. So the minimum expenditure comprises your ceremony fee, 75% of the expected food and beverage expenditure, and your enhancement minimum. So basically the bulk of what you're paying for your wedding is due 90 days before the wedding minus $3,000 of the deposit. So you've already given them $3,000, so that helps a little bit. So they subtract that from whatever the total is of your ceremony fee, your 75% of your food and beverage expenditure, and your enhancement minimum. And then your final payment of the remaining amount due is due 30 days before the event. So that's going to be 25% of your food and beverage minimum, plus your tax, plus your service charge, plus any extra expenses from things that you've added in the days since you paid your minimum expenditure. 
So all, both of these are based on your estimated guest count, but you are still able to change your estimated guest count up until five days before your event. So don't freak out if you're not quite sure if Aunt Edna is going to show up or not. As long as you know five days before, you're not going to be paying for her if she doesn't show up. And then the last $1,000 of your $4,000 deposit is used to cover any overages or you get it back after the event. So if on the day of the wedding, like I decided on the day of the wedding, oh my gosh, we need to have milk to go with the cookies we're having at our dessert party. So they took that out of my deposit so that it wasn't like it was on their dime. I had my deposit and they used it to cover that last minute thing that I wanted. But it's really nice if you don't use your deposit because then after the wedding, you finally get some money back. <laughs> that was really exciting. <laughs> we got our email saying, hey, we're refunding you. <laughs> nice little wedding gift. For sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Bank of Disney. They're saving this $1,000 to help you start your married life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the timeline for a Wishes Collection wedding. These are a lot longer than Escape and Memories, and the timeline is a little bit more complicated. So we're just going to go over it so you know what to expect. Usually, the first thing that happens is your photographer or photographers meet you in your hotel room or in the lobby of your hotel for portraits. And if you have decided to do a first look with your fiancé, that would also be the time that you do that. I have a whole separate show on first looks because I am a huge proponent of them. They make photography for your event go so much smoother. You get so many more photos. And if you are somebody who is nervous or shy, they are a fantastic way to connect with your spouse before the whole circus starts. You just have this wonderful private moment together. Usually the groom cries, I'm telling you now, and often he will then cry again when he sees you coming down the aisle, so don't worry about that. But I have a whole show where I will convince you that first looks are the bee's knees, so you can check that out on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Speaking of first looks, what I ended up doing was I did a first look with my parents. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was a really special moment for me to have with them. And so maybe if you know, you're know you not feeling like getting a first look with your future spouse, your parents are also a great option because I have some really special photos with my parents now. And it did make the whole day go really smooth because my parents were right there for all the other family photos. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the next thing that happens is transportation to the ceremony site for the couple and the guests. And this, you know, perhaps you've hired a limo or vans, or maybe you're staying at the Grand Floridian and you're walking to the wedding pavilion. So your Disney wedding event planner is going to help you figure out if you need transportation for this next part. Then the ceremony happens. Usually you do a staged exit. So after your real exit, you come back and everybody gets their pedals or their bubbles or their streamers or whatever you're using. And then then you do a fake exit that looks really good in photos. <laughs> For the staged exit, another way we found to save money was to supply our own bubbles. I think it was a dollar or two different for us to bring the bubbles to Disney ourselves. A dollar or two per thing of bubbles different than having Disney supply them. Yeah, that is a great tip. And also you could do things like you could have bubble guns so that then you have a ton of bubbles instead of paying Disney's exorbitant prices for these tiny little bottles of bubbles that people are still fumbling with while you're walking through. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I highly recommend that. And then after your stage exit, usually what happens is bridal portraits and family portraits 
are taken. But sometimes if you've already done a first look, you've gotten those out of the way. So maybe you can go do more couples photos or you could even go like we went directly to our pre-reception with our guests, which I liked just because whenever I go to a wedding and the bride and groom disappear for an hour, I am super bored. And all I can think of is when is this dinner going to start? So <laughs> so we went with, but you know, you'll, you'll do what you need to do for your, depending on how many photos you want to get, whether or not you did a first look. But generally the next thing that happens is your guests go to a pre-reception or sometimes it's called a cocktail hour. And that's designed to keep them busy if you are still taking pictures and they have a little bit to nibble on, something to keep them entertained while they're waiting for the real reception to start. And then the real reception starts. Generally, the order is you come in, you do your first dance, you have the toasts or the speeches, you do your meal, you do your ceremonial dances, father of the bride or mother of the groom. You have your entertainment, dancing, maybe some characters show up, and you do your cake cutting. You can change this around, and sometimes people have to change it around, like if you're having your reception at American Adventure Rotunda in Epcot, sometimes, depending on what time your reception starts, you will break this up by going out to see the fireworks in Epcot and then come back in, but that just depends on what time your reception starts. So it's not set in stone, and you can talk to your planner about what order you want to do it in, but that's generally the order that they pick. You mentioned the cake cutting. That was the one thing that my husband and I had never rehearsed or talked about. Like spent months and months and months choreographing a dance, but never talked about how to cut this cake because we assumed (laughs) it would come naturally to us. It did not. And we just kind of stood there deer in the headlights. And one of the waiters from the contemporary came over and I looked at him and I said, I don't know how to do this. And he very sweetly walked us through how to cut this cake. And it was with a, with this huge smile on his face. And it was just such to me, like a, a just such a like Disney moment. He was like, I don't know, a, an additional fairy godfather helping <laughs> us out as we struggled through trying to figure out what on earth we were supposed to do with this cake knife. I just, I can't speak highly enough of the people over at the Contemporary someone told us that they're so used to to working corporate events that a wedding is like a fun change of pace. And I had people that work there coming over and complimenting my hair. And it was just a really magical experience. And I cannot talk enough about how much I love the contemporary now. (laughs) That's great. And then optionally, sometimes people, especially if you've done a brunch or lunch or an earlier reception, optionally, sometimes people add on a dessert party in a theme park or at the Contemporary Resort or at the Grand Floridian. And that's another event that lasts about 90 minutes. You have desserts or if you don't need desserts because you just all had wedding cake, you could have nachos or appetizers or whatever you want, just booze. And people can go out and see the fireworks show wherever your location is and it kind of caps the night. We found that it was nice to have a break because we had a brunch reception. So it stopped around two and then everybody got to do whatever they want, go to the park, swim, nap, And then we met back in the evening for the dessert party. And it was great because everybody was refreshed and they could really appreciate that this was an additional event rather than just like, oh, now what's happening at the reception? So it felt like people really appreciated it. And it's the one thing people are still talking about from our wedding because it was so impressive and not something that they could do at a regular wedding. We actually didn't do a dessert party. We talked about it and just decided that it wasn't really for us. We ended up doing like a more casual come say hi to the bride and groom at Disney Springs where we 
bar hopped in Disney Springs, basically. Yeah, so if you wanted to come see us, you could catch us at XYZ Bar or just let us know where you are and we'll come find you if you want to, you know, say bye before we hop on a boat. That's great. That's a great low-cost alternative. We did something like that for our welcome party because, yeah, we couldn't afford to host a whole nother catered event. So that's a really good tip. And something else to remember about dessert parties or anything else outside of the reception and the pre-reception and the ceremony is that they don't count toward your minimum expenditures anymore. So that might also have a bearing on whether or not you can afford one because here there's a set amount that you already have to pay to Disney and a dessert party is going to be an additional amount. So if you do decide that you want to do one, you can have them, like I mentioned, inside Epcot. They have them at Hollywood Studios for Fantasmic and they don't have any yet for Rivers of Light at Animal Kingdom. You could do a private event inside Animal Kingdom, but there's no set-aside private viewing area for Rivers of Light. They also don't have any inside the Magic Kingdom for Happily Ever After. For that, you would need to be at the Marina at the Grand Floridian or at the Contemporary Convention Center, Port Cochere, which is basically the parking lot. But a lot of people have <laughs> events there and they like it. <laughs> so some other events you might consider adding, you could add a welcome party. Like we were saying, a welcome party doesn't have to be a catered event. But even if you do do a catered event, it's not going to count towards your minimums for wishes. Rehearsal dinner, same thing. Farewell brunch. All of those are great. And if you can afford to add them, awesome. But they don't apply towards your minimum expenditures to have a wishes collection event. Another thing you might be interested in that a lot of people don't know about if they haven't been following Disney's fairy tale weddings for 12 years is that you can do a ride buyout or a mix in if you are having an event inside the park. So if your reception is inside Epcot, for example, or you're having a dessert party inside Epcot or Hollywood Studios, you could do a mix in, which is the cheap option, and that is $15 per person. And they what they do is they they don't you're not buying out the whole ride. The ride is closing down, it's the end of the day, and you get to be one of the last groups on the ride and they escort you to the front of the line. The other thing you can do is a buyout, but this is thousands of dollars, like six or eight thousand dollars, and you get to use the ride for the length of your event. So if you were having a wedding reception at Animal Kingdom in front of X. Edition Everest, you could pay, I think Everest is like $8,000, something like that, to have the ride running the entire time and people could go on it throughout your event. That sounds awesome. I want to be invited to that wedding. Exactly. We need to get invited to those weddings because we're certainly not going to pay for those. <laughs> so a mix-in is a lot cheaper, just $15 per person, and it's a fun little surprise for your guests. And you still feel like you have the ride to yourself because you're being escorted right on it. You don't have to wait in the line, but it's a lot cheaper than buying out the whole ride. I didn't get a chance to do this, but you mentioned it in your book and I was totally enamored with it. You can do a private Indiana Jones stunt show. Yes, if you have like 40 grand, you can. <laughs> I know. I don't have 40 grand, but wow, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, and I do have a list in my book of the price ranges for some of the most popular things. I'm curious to know if any wedding has ever actually done an Indiana Jones stunt show uh, buyout, but it would be amazing. If I won the lottery, my entire wedding would have been Indiana Jones themed. Oh, that's awesome. Vow renewal. Save up for the vow renewal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so now we're going to look at some of the most frequently asked questions about Wishes Collection events. The first one is, which venues can I use for my ceremony and my reception? If you go on Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings website, they show you a handful of the most popular ceremony and reception locations, but there are tons of others that they don't really mention. So on the website for my book, fairytaleweddingsguide.com, I have a page called Walt Disney World Wedding venue photos. So the address is fairytaleweddingsguide.com slash WDW dash venues, plural. And that's going to take you to a bunch of photo galleries of basically every place they've ever had a ceremony or a reception. And then you can find out the prices and the capacity and all of that inside Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, where I've listed all of them and all the information you need to know about them. So sometimes the reason Disney doesn't mention these is because, especially with theme park venues, a lot of stuff has to be approved by the park. So it's way easier for Disney to have you get married at the Wedding Pavilion and have your reception at the Grand Floridian than, you know, get married in front of the Tree of Life and have your reception over in front of Everest. That takes a lot of back and forth with the park team and approvals and all that. So that's probably one of the reasons they don't mention this. But I try to put as many of the locations as I can on that page just so you know what your options are and you can ask about them and make your own decision as to whether or not you want to use them. Next question I see a lot, can you have a reception in the Magic Kingdom or inside another park? So yes, you can have a reception. Often you have to wait till two hours after the park closes. Epcot is an exception because they have a lot of private areas, especially around the water where the fireworks show happens, and then private lounges like Living Seas Salon that can be closed while the park is still open. So that makes it easier to have a reception that takes place during regular hours. If you want to use Animal Kingdom, most of those locations you would need to wait till about two hours after the park closes in order to use them. But, you know, always ask. Your planner will find out from the park team when you can get in there. With the Magic Kingdom, there are only three locations where you can do a catered reception, and none of them are the places that you think of when you think of having a Magic Kingdom reception. So like Be Our Guest Restaurant is not an option at the moment. Where you can have a reception in the Magic Kingdom, there is Tomorrowland Terrace, which is that area near the Tomorrowland Terrace Noodle Bar that's never open. It's also where they have the public wishes dessert party that anybody can buy a ticket to. There's the Storybook Circus tent area. It's like a seating area outside of Storybook Circus. And then there's Captain Jack's in Tortuga Tavern. Captain Jack's has food and beverage minimum ranging from $4,000 to $5,000 and a lot of restrictions. And then the Storybook Circus and Tomorrowland Terrace both have $10,000 food and beverage minimums. And there are a lot of restrictions about what you can do there. You can't tie the events in with any kind of fireworks viewing. They would have to be during the day. And they need special permission from the park. So it's something to ask about, but so far not very many people have actually used these for wedding receptions. Next question I still see a little bit is, do we get annual passes with our wedding? The answer is no. They used to give annual passes to Wishes Collection couples, and it was fantastic. It encouraged us to come back and have anniversaries, but they no longer include annual passes. I'm very sorry to be the bearer of bad news on that one. <laughs> but they do send you cute little gifts. If you're in a Wishes Collection, you do get some really sweet gifts, which it's always it was always really fun to come home to them. 
and I would be like, oh my gosh, Dan, look, we got a present from Disney. We got a present from Disney. You know, you get, I'm not going to spoil any of them, but they are, they're really fun and you can use them to take neat wedding photos. And it's just, it's nice to know that you're on their mind, (laughs) that you're not just like a number. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Another question I see a lot is, can I bring my own floral and decor? There are restrictions on that. So basically, the only locations where you can bring your own floral and decor, with the exception of bouquets and boutonnieres, which you can provide for yourself no matter where your wedding is, but for the reception floral and decor, for ceremony floral and decor, you can only do that at indoor convention center spaces. So if you're getting married at the wedding pavilion, Disney has to provide all of the decor inside the wedding pavilion and any floral except your bouquets, boutonnieres, and other personal floral. If you're having your reception at the Grand Floridian Convention Center, though, you can hire an outside company to provide things like shivari chairs, your centerpieces, any kind of floral and decor you can imagine. And Disney works with these outside vendors a lot. They know the drill. It's not going to be complicated or confusing to work with an outside vendor. And you could end up saving half as much as Disney charges or getting twice as much stuff as you would get if you paid Disney. So it can be a great money-saving option to use an outside vendor if you are having your reception at an indoor convention center location. If your ceremony or reception is inside a theme park, you cannot have outside vendors for anything except photography and videography. Now, there have been some exceptions where people have been able to DIY certain things. So I have a whole page in the Fairy Tale Weddings Guide that lists you find the location and then it'll say whether you can hire an outside vendor there, whether you can DIY it, and it's for every different type of location that you can have a wedding in Disney because it can be confusing. And more and more lately, I've been interviewing brides and grooms who have been able to work with Disney Floral to provide their own things, maybe sentimental items that they want to have on display at the reception, or maybe they got a great deal on these sets of books that they want to turn into centerpieces, and Disney will work with them to incorporate those even though they're inside a park, but it's really on a case-by-case basis. So you'll need to talk to your Disney floral coordinator about what you can and can't bring. Another way that we cut costs for our wedding was we did the absolute bare minimum on centerpieces and had our bridesmaid bouquets turn into centerpieces. Disney did charge a really, really, really like small fee. I think it was like $7 or something to have the bouquets transported and put into vases on the tables at our reception. That's a great tip. Yeah, so it was nice for us to double dip. And that way the bridesmaids weren't like hassling with their bouquets after they left. Like the bouquets just disappeared and reappeared. It was magical. That's a great tip. And also, Disney's going to help you work within your budget. So if you tell them, you know, I just can't afford to spend more than $60 per centerpiece, they will come up with ideas to help you get it down so that it can stay in your budget. So even though they do charge more than outside vendors, if you do have to use Disney for your floral and decor, just be open with them about what your budget is and what you're willing to accept. Like some people say, I just want white flowers. I don't care what type of flowers they are. And I need them to cost no more than $75 per centerpiece. And then Disney is going to come up with something that looks amazing that you could never have dreamt up that fits within your parameters. That's what we did for our bridesmaids bouquet. Cause originally they offered to me uh, like miniature versions of my bouquet. And I think I told them, can we, 
do like half or two thirds of what you're charging me per bouquet and make them all one color. And they turned out great. There's this awesome photo Ali took where it's me like surrounded by all these yellow rose bouquets. It's they ended up so cool and they all had little hidden Mickeys on them. It was really special. That's great. Another question I see a lot is, are there any discounts on Disney's fairy tale weddings? So unfortunately, not since the days of the recession. <laughs> Occasionally, there will be discounts on certain aspects of a Wishes Collection event for Florida residents or cast members. But the availability varies by season, by year. It's always changing. So you need to ask your sales consultant if there are any discounts available if you fall into one of those categories. So that's you or somebody paying for your wedding is a Florida resident or a cast member. Now, in the past, these have been 10% off food and beverage every day except Saturday, 10% off specialty transportation, floral, entertainment, photo, and video provided by Disney, and an extra 10% off food and beverage if you use Disney for all of your services. But these are just sample discounts. We don't know if these are still available. They could be available today and not tomorrow. So definitely talk to your sales consultant if you think you might qualify for one of these. And then the last question that I see a lot is, can only Disney's fairy tale weddings couples take bridal portraits in the Magic Kingdom? So you will see these amazing portraits of brides and grooms inside the various theme parks, including the Magic Kingdom. And the answer is anyone can book one of these bridal portrait sessions. But if you're not having a Disney's fairy tale wedding, there are some restrictions. So the first one is that you have to wait until four months out to book. And the second brand new one that they just instituted the day that I am recording this episode is they are now saying that couples who want to have a Magic Kingdom bridal portrait session and have not had a Disney's fairy tale wedding cannot wear bridal attire at the photo session. They're still going to charge you $2,400 to do this quote-unquote bridal portrait session inside the Magic Kingdom. But if you haven't had a Disney's fairy tale wedding, maybe you got married at Paddlefish or you got married off-site and you just wanted to do the photos, you have to wear something besides a wedding gown. And that's only if you haven't had a Disney's fairy tale wedding. But if you're listening to this show, it's because you're considering having a Wishes Collection event. And if you do that, there are no restrictions on what you can wear and where you can have your Disney's fine art photography bridal portrait session in the theme parks. We talked about it, but it was just one of those things that we couldn't really afford right away. So we're talking about coming back and maybe doing it for an anniversary, but I just... I love the photos I got. I know there's this trend at Disney right now with the purple wall and all the other colored walls. Not to brag about the contemporary, but there's a mint wall at the contemporary that no one's found except for uh, contemporary brides. (laughs) (laughs) They do take care of you. Your photographers absolutely do. I'm hoping to do the bridal portrait session one day, but not today. And if you do decide to have a Wishes event, but you don't book your bridal portrait session right away, you can go back and book one later. They were saying, you know, depending on how long it's been, they might have to get permission. But I've never heard of anybody being denied permission who had a Disney's fairy tale wedding to then later have a bridal portrait session. So I don't think that's an issue. So, Well, that's good news. Yeah. And and you make a good point, too, that you may get so many amazing photos at your wedding that you don't need to have a bridal portrait session. I felt like my bridal portrait session went on for forever. And I found out that was because 
people weren't getting to the wedding on time, so they just kind of gently extended the amount of time of photos they were taking. And it was a problem that I never knew existed until someone told me about it. I just thought we were going on adventures taking photos. So Disney really does run so seamlessly. It's insane. I know I keep repeating, they take care of you, but they they do. And that's a really good point because maybe after you've gotten to the end of this episode and you've been hearing all these heavy-duty numbers coming at you and you're thinking, my goodness, this thing could be so expensive, but there is a feeling among people who have done it that it's worth the cost, that what you get for what you pay is worth it because Disney's service is so great. And a wedding at Disney is about what we would have spent in New York for a wedding of similar magnitude and fun anyway. It's in the more expensive parts of the country, Disney does really align. And but there are there are ways to cut costs. Like we ended up getting a Disney credit card, which was nice because we got discounts on the rehearsal dinner. We got discounts like here and there that really started to pile up. And using outside vendors, we ended up using an outside videographer. And I cannot wait to receive that video. I feel bad because I feel like I'm messaging her so much, asking, "Is it time yet? Is it time yet?" Um, Overall, it was an amazing experience, and I would absolutely do it again in a heartbeat. And another thing, don't be afraid to ask your planner how to cut costs. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I want to do X, Y, Z, but I know you said it was ABC dollars. What can we do that's close for less than ABC? Yeah. Our planner jumped through hoops to point us in the direction of things that were just as good, but not as expensive. Yeah, that's a great point because they've been doing this for years and they know the tricks and they know what's going to give you the most bang for your buck and what maybe you don't need. Like just one little thing off the top of my head, you don't really need to pay extra for champagne for the toast. Everybody can just toast with whatever they have in hand. So there are little things that they're going to be able to offer up that will help you save money. You just have to let them know that that's what you're trying to do. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I think this has been really helpful for anyone who's considering the Wishes Collection at Walt Disney World or maybe trying to decide between the Wishes Collection and the Escape Collection. And I appreciate your taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. (laughs) That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site, DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com. <laughs>